Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today is Heather Swain, Vice President for Communications and Brand Strategy at Michigan State University. Heather, welcome to Brand Story, Inc. Thanks. Excited to have you here. And obviously running a uh, large Big Ten marketing and communications department uh, is quite unique and has evolved quite a bit over the uh, 13 years since you've been there. So I'd love to start by you giving us an overview of the wide range of content you produce and the staffing that you have to fulfill this. Sure. Well, um, so we kind of uh, have a content model that we work on um, to think about how we connect the Spartan story with um, audiences out there, different types of audiences. So we think about um, really developing content that supports um, affinity and esteem. So think about that as, you know, sort of reputation and pride. And then we have um, some spirit content that we really only think about putting in social media. And then what we call actions of change, which is content that uh, really helps uh, folks understand what sorts of actions that we've taken to um, be accountable and uh, welcoming community and a community that's recovering from crisis. So we have a model actually built out around that where people can understand um, whether they're in our shop or across the campus, sort of our percent of effort uh, put towards those different kinds of content and sort of the buckets we need to fill up and how much we need to uh, create and put out there around those. When you think about the size and scope of Michigan State, right, whether from an undergraduate perspective or the amount of faculty and different departments you have, it's it's overwhelming to me from the outside looking in how much content you're producing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Give us a scope, if you could, from your department's perspective. How much, you know, how much video, social content, articles, how much are you doing a, a day or, or a month, whatever time frame you'd want to look at, just to give us a scale, a, a context of the scale and scope. Sure. Well, it's not actually probably as much as you think it is, and there are probably a couple reasons for that. So, um, you know, our writers are probably averaging, you know, a couple stories a week. Um, so this is, I'm talking in the central comm shop. Mm-hmm. You know, our videos, we're probably putting out, um, you know, kind of eight videos a month out of the middle here and, you know, 25 to 30 social posts a week. But we're an aggregator, really, as well as a, you know, a creator. So we're aggregating quite a bit of content. And so in to our, you know, what we think of our content hub, there are probably 1,700 to 2,000 pieces of content that are loaded in in there a year. Um, So we have strategic partners all over campus. Um, Some of those are dotted line reports into our office. Um, Some of them are just more, you know, partnerships. So there are lots and lots of people creating content, um, you know, whether that's social content or that's content that ends up being um, more, you know, pitch-worthy or um, it's content that just really goes direct to our um, sort of our Spartan fans, um, you know, whether those are alumni or those are parents. or So there are lots of content creators all across this very vast campus. As you said, it's really, really big. Um, you know, some of those are faculty members who are creating content. So we act as an aggregator. The other thing that makes it maybe look like more, you know, more content is that we're really, we're, 
we're focused on resurfacing content too. So we're really looking to not just um, completely wear ourselves out by creating new content all the time, but really being very, very smart about um, looking at our analytics and figuring out what does well and um, taking content that's performed well in the past and resurfacing it at opportune times, either because there's a news hook around it or it's the right time for it. So I'll give you an example. We have a piece of content called Land Grant Roots that um, did really, really well when we created it. We, we uh, created it around the anniversary of the Morrill Act signing um, a couple of years ago. And um, we have resurfaced it over and over, but we usually do it around a hook. So we just resurfaced it um, a couple of weeks ago around our uh, Founders Day. And every time we put it back out there, it, it performs just like people are like discovering it for the very first time. So we look at a lot of resurfacing so that um, we continue to bring um, you know, these important stories to our audiences. Well, you, you touched on something that's really important there, and I think that there's so many different people creating content on the MSU campus. I mean, if it's not in the triple digits of departments, it's got to be close. Um, oh, yeah. Right? And so maybe let's back up for a second there because people listening to this who run a large corporation, um, you know, if you're thinking the Procter & Gamble's or the Unilever's, where they have so many different brands. I think P&G has nearly 300 brands under its domain, each with their own communication strategies and content teams, you're really the mothership in many ways. And so I'd love to get your context of how does that work? How do you, how do you interface, engage, curate with so many different departments who have their own priorities for different audiences? How does it work and how do you, what do you look at as your target audience? Yeah, well, we really look at um, whether something can have uh, sort of a broader um, broader um, interest. So we won't um, sort of turn anything away from the content hub unless it doesn't really meet our quality standards, and then we will. But, you know, we kind of, we have a, a style guide that we share broadly. We have a, so we have a communicators network, and we meet with them monthly, and so all communicators across the campus are um, welcome into that network, and we're always sharing with them sort of, you know, what, um, you know, sort of what we're looking for, what our sort of quality expectations are, what, um, you know, this content model is all about, what our brand strategy is all about, all those things that help them kind of understand the parameters and, the, the you know, the kind of thing that we're trying to elevate up. Um, and then we understand that they have audiences and they have, um, you know, strategies they're trying to deliver. And we're looking for that intersection where um, that content they're creating may have, um, you know, it has the ability to elevate esteem and affinity for the institution, um, and then if so, you know, we will kind of elevate it up and amplify it um, in a way that will reach a broader audience. But at the same time, we realize that some of it is going to be, you know, more of niche, uh, you know, interest, mm -hmm. um, but we'll still kind of give it a home in that content hub. So if you look, uh, we call it MSU Today, and if you look on there, you'll see um, what we call categories, so kind of news categories or topic categories, and, you know, it will still find a home there um, where people looking for that kind of content can go and find, you know, something that has to do with business and technology, but we may not push it out to that broader audience, so... You know, we use a weekly email to sort of um, drive inbound traffic to the site and 
you know, take content out to um, our audiences. So um, we are curating definitely. We are looking for those things that have a cross-cutting uh, level of interest, either from that kind of human story element or, you know, just, just like anybody would be preparing any kind of a, like you, you know, you think about any media company, they're looking for something that has that little, little bit of broader um, impact or, you know, kind of... Um, you know, a spark uh, for people that has that relevance to their lives. What does this mean to me? Does it have to do with my health or my kids or my grandmother or, you know, that kind of thing where you sit down at the kitchen table and, and you think about, is this something I would tell my niece if I were having a meal with her? So we're always looking, you know, for those kinds of things that are repeatable, that are relatable, um, that have that, that kind of interest to them. So that's really kind of where we're making our cuts. What does your staff look like to support the Content Hub? How do you break it down? Well, that's very interesting. We're actually in the middle of a realignment, so you've caught me at, a, at an interesting moment. Um, so we really have um, we have a folks that we are uh, consider kind of channel strategists, and then of course we have content creators, and um, we've been on a long journey of um, of integration because, of course, you know, in this this world where um, you know, the difference between PR and marketing is uh, has has disappeared or is rapidly disappearing. Um, we've really integrated a lot, um, but we are now in the in the final stages of really um, kind of um, pulling down those last barriers. Um, so um, we have folks, you know, we have some folks who manage our. Um, we have a director of social. We have um, really an editor of that content hub. Um, manager of that content hub um, we have um, what we have now and are transitioning away from are um, some PR strategists who right now write all the content you know they create the content and then pitch it for our earned media strategies but then that content that they create goes kind of over the wall mm -hmm. over to our, our content hub um, to go in it and that's not at all an unusual um, sort of formula for uh, universities but we feel that it's it's time has come, it's outdated, and we're, we're ready to move to something else. Well, I think those not familiar with the higher ed space, um, like you are, may, may not appreciate the evolution, right? University relations used to be comprised of PR experts and folks, crisis communications and press releases, and it's evolved into what you just were describing, where there's so much content. If you step back and look at the amount of content being created on any college campus, you know, if you look at discrete pieces of social content or video content, it's it's truly, it's a large media entity. Um, and, and so th to your point, I think it's it's fascinating. That's why we're doing this podcast. To you're right in the heart of that transition still. Um, and it's it takes a lot of time to do that. I guess many people that would listen to this. So if you're a, if you're a, a small liberal arts college that, you know, has a couple thousand undergraduate folks and may not have the resources um, that, or the perceived resources, I should say, that uh, the Michigan State or other Big Ten schools have, what advice would you give to people who are kind of going through that as they're building out their content hub or content studio in terms of staffing, critical must-haves, and, and things that are um, uh, they should be thinking about as they're doing similar evolutions that you are? So I'd, I'd uh, go back to a couple of things. Well, one is um, don't forget the, the power of repurposing. So everything does not have to be created new all the time. 
um, and you know think about um, the the partners that you have across uh, across your campus, which don't have to be professional communicators, but can be um, you know actual experts in in various fields who um, may be able to produce some content for you, which you may be able to then you know edit or manipulate, but um, are able to give you some some content you can work with. Um, I would say, you know, especially those, uh, well, all of us, but I do want to say especially those who are, um, you know, in the earlier stages of their careers have to think about being fat T uh, marketers or PR people, uh, whatever label they like to give themselves. As I said, those those uh, differences are, you know, uh, evaporating. Um, and that means that, you know, have to really think about having a combination of skills and a multiplicity of skills. So certainly that, you know, the vertical of your T, you've got to have an expertise in something, but the fat part means that you've got to really build up expertise in a variety of related things. And that needs to include being very comfortable with digital and very comfortable with data. Um, and if you're not, Find a way to get comfortable. Um, get yourself some continuing education. Um, you know, challenge yourself to, to do some online learning. Um, take some courses um, because that's that's here and it's not going away. Um, and then the other thing would be to really look at those analytics, um, to use data to make decisions about what content you are going to invest in and spend your time on, um, and and look to your audience. Um, let your audience help you decide what stories to tell, which doesn't mean that you're going to not pay attention to your brand. It doesn't mean you're going to not pay attention to the story that you need to be telling to be strategic, but how you're going to tell it and what, how you're going to shape it and aspects of it, um, you got to be paying attention to your audience because um, it's that intersection that's going to make it work. Um, so, you know, especially if you're small, you can't afford to uh, be making content that people aren't really that jazzed about. They're not interested um, because then they're not getting your message anyway. Well, you hit on something there and kind of that versatility of not only content creation, but connecting the dots to the data and the analytics behind it. How do you measure yep. success? How does your department measure success? Well, I don't think we're, we're real shocking or surprising, <laughs> but um, we do have some very specific um, measures, and really they're around, I mean, we have lots and lots of different data points. We look at lots of different analytics, and I won't go through all of them, but we have a, a few, you know, key performance indicators that are around growth for us or where we want to move. So um, we really use, um, you know, the PESOS model um, that is... Um, paid, earned, owned, shared, um, or social. Um, paid, I won't get into really because there are, we have um, really efficiency metrics as well as, you know, sort of reach and consumption kinds of things. But um, with uh, earned, um, owned, and shared, you know, earned is kind of where it's always been. Um, we are um, working with Cision, which is our, um, that's the, the company that we use for media monitoring mm -hmm. um, to uh, get into a new product now that'll allow us to view through more into what's actually happening with the placements that we have in terms of um, page views to them. But that's that's new for us, so we're not there yet. So earned really looks like what are our placements in key media outlets. It really looks like it did 20 years ago. Not, <laughs> not a whole lot new there. Um, so um, with um, social, we are really looking at engagement. That's um, a composite kind of um, 
engagement metric made up of a few different things, but we're also really looking at clicks through to content. So how well are we doing bringing people from social to our web properties? We used to be really focused on, um, we didn't care if we brought you out of social, you know, people consume things in the platform, that's fine with us, that's all the, you know, all the um, really algorithms of social reward, you know, for staying there, but really the strategies of the social media companies are changing and we can't really uh, count on, um, you know, we can't count on them mm -hmm. to be doing what's good for us, of course. Mm -hmm. And we have complex stories. We have complex concepts to get your head around. And we need to bring people to our platforms to really understand some of those things. So we really are looking at on certain things, our research kinds of things, and really moving you to our properties to understand them. So we are that is a growth metric for us that we are looking to increase. Um, and then on our owned media, um, we really look at a couple things. One has more to do with list health. Um, and, you know, so open rates matter, but that is highly dependent on what we do to our list. When we add people to it and do things like that, it affects those rates. Um, but we still look at that because that has to do with list health. We're looking at click to open rates, which has more to do with how good is our content. And then on websites themselves, and we're looking at story um, page views. Okay. So not just any page views, but what are the page views on those stories themselves. We're really working hard to come up with a metric that works for us on quality consumption. Yeah. But we have problems with just about every single one of them. <laughs> so we, we, we're, we're still working on that one. And, and is there a platform that, to your point of kind of making sure that you control your own destiny, is there one that, that seems to be working better than the others right now for you? Um, we, we really believe in the, um, really the mix of all of them together. Um, so we use different channels for uh, different things, right? So to reach informed public and our peers, earned media is still really important. Um, to get to audiences that already have an affinity with us, um, you know, we're using really more of the social and the um, owned, but we're using paid almost always to amplify that and to ensure that those things get in front of them. We're also using paid to amplify the earned media. So if we get an earned media placement on any given day, can we be sure that who we hoped would read it would read it? Nope. So, you know, we're trying to make sure that that gets in front of the people that we care about with paid. So it's it's all very intertwined um, in our strategy and how we use those channels in combination. I'm talking with Heather Swain, Vice President for Communications and Brad Strategy at Michigan State. Uh, I can say this, Heather is one of the more highly regarded uh, marketers in the entire higher ed space. She was the former chairperson of uh, the American Marketing Association Higher Ed, and she's, she's kind of a go-to in the space. And so uh, it's great to have you here. And I think one thing, regardless if you're in higher ed or not, that's an ongoing, continuing conversation is when you sit down with the C-suite of Michigan State, um, how do you communicate success and how do you find uh, the top level folks at, at a university viewing ROI on, on the endeavor? It's interesting because I, I just joined uh, some of my other uh, counterparts um, for a presentation to the Board of Trustees, and I think I think one of our biggest challenges uh, that we continue to face is that um, earned media seems to have such an outsized place um, in the minds of, of our leaders. Um, I think that's natural um, because, you know, our, our board members are elected. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, it, 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 um, you know, it's kind of real present for them. And yeah. so it's sort of the bubble that they're living in and it feels, it feels to them like kind of where the story is. Um, so if and there's particularly a, so for, for an example, so if there's a nice article in, De- in Detroit Free Press about some innovation that you've created that tends to psychologically rank higher perhaps than uh, a piece of social content that got viewed by more people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and of course, you know, negative, uh, Mm -hmm. negative media is particularly, you know, of, right. So, um, and it, and it's really difficult even with, um, you know, I can stand in front of them and have, um, with all the numbers, you know, the size of these channels, the reach, the consumption, the engagement we get. Um, but it, it just is really hard to counter that, that personal feeling that you have when you're engaging with um, a media, um, particular media type every day. And then the media type that they engage with the most primarily is is earned. Um, some of them certainly are social users, and that can then feel very present for them. But typically they're not um, within the, so we use paid um we do use it to reach broad audiences, but typically it's hyper-targeted, um, and and you know they're they're not necessarily within the hyper-targeted audience. So um, it's just that's a challenge, I think, and probably a challenge for uh, and has been for as long as any of us have been in this business. Probably why people have bought billboards on people's routes home <laughs> <laughs> right in the past, right? You know, it's sort of what's in front of you is what's felt, and and so. We've had that issue, too. I think too. that's a challenge. Like we've had that issue, right? You're on the Big Ten Network, obviously. We've done a lot of work with yeah. Michigan State and Big Ten and Big Ten Network. And it's it's incredible. Like, a zero rating, not that they get many of them, but there are, you know, there are shows that don't show up that get a rating, but yet the perception is everyone saw it, right? Because it could be a zero right. rating, on, but it's on national television, and you do something on social that gets 100,000 views and 500 comments and a lot of engagement, and yet there's still, depending, especially to be a little bit of an ageist, there's still that perception of, like, yeah, but being on the Big Ten Network f- feels bigger than that, right? And it's yep. that's an interesting thing. One of the things that we've done to kind of combat that is anecdotes. When you get those emails that um, – oh my gosh, you changed my life through this story, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm curious to go there. I mean, you've done some amazing stuff. That's why you're on this podcast. I mean, Game Changers, which you did on, um, you know, the story behind Michigan State's historic role in the integration of college football in the 60s, like that intersection of sport and society, which you guys produced and was award-winning and even stuff that you've outsourced, I believe, like the Spartans Will campaign, which is one of the more renowned campaigns in in higher ed. Uh, I'm curious... Um, if you find, I mean, it's probably what drives you, the type of anecdotes that you get from the people that you cover and how you use those as part of your, I don't want to say justification, because that sounds, that's not maybe not the right word, but to, as proof of success. Yeah, I mean, those are always helpful, and I think that's a good point. It's sort of like, um, uh, you know, sort of taking the... Um, if if uh, if folks are kind of in a certain kind of space and it's it's kind of having a limited view, it's almost like taking the limited view of a different space and and using that to to sort of break through. I think that's an interesting point. Um, and I think another thing is that we've always used research, um, and research can pull um, it can pull forward anecdotes and then pair them up with 
some kind of research numbers. So the anecdote becomes the one example that then proves the rule that mm-hmm. is in your research numbers. So um, when I was doing this presentation to the board, um, I, you know, I went through all these channels, I went through all the numbers, and, uh, you know, I could see that my numbers were starting to numb them, <laughs> and then I, you know, said, okay, hey, but what does this all add up to? And we have a brand tracker, and, you know, what we're looking at is, you know, we're really trying to change people's hearts and minds, right? So mm-hmm. we're using all these channels, and we're, we track all this performance, and we have growth targets, and, oh, okay, okay, Heather, what are you trying to say? Yep. So, you know, but what we're really trying to do is change brand perceptions over time, and so we have likelihood to recommend and here's how it's changed and here are these key perceptions and here's how they've changed and look, they've all gone up and none of them have gone down. And right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then that, that helps them to, to, to distill it into something that, Oh, okay. And then like you're saying, if you compare that with a couple of anecdotes that show, Oh, and what does that make people think or believe or say, um, then that, that is helpful. Um, I'm curious if you, uh, we get to see a lot of content come through these doors. We work, as I mentioned, with the Big Ten, as you know. And you guys are um, at the top of the list in terms of content creation, in terms of the quality, like that intangible quality. You guys do a great job with that. I'm curious how you decide what to keep internally versus outsource. Yeah, so a lot of our um, brand content is done internally. Um, we... You know, we feel like we are the stewards of and really kind of understand the brand really deeply. So especially that, that you know, kind of heartbeat content, it's got to happen, it's got to happen all the time. We're doing ourselves. Um, things that take a higher level of either um, sort of discipline-specific expertise or take just really higher production quality, um, we're outsourcing. So, you know, I have not uh, had my team, actually I did once, but um, generally I don't have my team do, um, you know, national TV spots. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't do our own, um, you know, marketing research. Um, We don't do our own media buying. So things that are either episodic or really, you know, require um, just a level of um, expertise or talent that it, it isn't sensible to, you know, buy and keep on staff all the time. Um, those are those are things we tend to outsource. But if there are things that we need to sort of have a steady stream and do all the time, and we really need to understand and own our brand, um, those are things we do in house, and we try to nurture, grow, and you know, retain that kind of talent. Um, so it's really important to us. Actually, I should add to the if you have a small team, uh, what do you need on it? We. Uh, particularly with video, video is essential to storytelling. Um, you know, visual content is essential to storytelling. Um, we, we know we have to have great writing, but today great writing isn't enough. Um, we have to have great visual storytellers, and so we really work to grow those and build those. Um, unfortunately, we have great programs at Michigan State, um, and we've been able to actually have interns who have turned into fabulous employees and are on our team. Um, and so that's something that I would say if you're a small team, you got to make room for and nurture that visual um, talent because visual storytelling is, is essential. Um, I so, saw Birth of a Rhino on your YouTube page. and Oh, yeah, don't traction. you love it? <laughs> and that's great. And that's, <laughs> it just does not work in words as well as it does visually, right? So. No. <laughs> That's great. 
All right, so last question for you. You mentioned it before. Um, you're connected. You're connected with CMOs and VP of marketing at some of the most trusted brands in higher ed, and I know you're on their speed dial as you guys compare notes about the rapid change of content creation and execution like we've been talking about. What do you see? What are the next hurdles and what are the next opportunities in the higher ed space that, that you see that you're thinking about right now? Where do you see this going over the next two to four years? Well, I think the, the question that, and it's not just now, but um, over the last X number of years that, that has been asked the most frequently. I mean, often people ask about budget, um, but it's about structure. Um, you know, over the years, I think people have really wrestled with structure. Um, what's the best structure? What's the best organization of team? Um, how do we put this thing together to best um, facilitate success? Um, and, you know, there's not just one answer, um, but are there better answers? Um, I, I think so. Um, and so it, we know that change is going to keep happening, right? Mm-hmm. You know, change in the industry is going to keep happening. We don't, we're not going to re. Uh, organize or realign every time it keeps happening. So how do we create structures um, that best um, allow flexibility and pivoting? Um, And how do we create, um, you know, processes that also facilitate that? So, um, you know, we've been doing a lot for a long time with kind of what are the ways of working that will allow us to uh, integrate we felt like we had gone as far as we could with that without another, you know, sort of restructure, which we haven't done for quite a while. Um, but that's, that's part of what I see people wrestle with is what is the right structure and what's, um, you know, what's the timing on those kinds of things. Um, and I think, um, I think it'll also become a bigger question what to insource and what to outsource. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, we are we are starting to use more um, outsourced resources for kind of continuous stream things, and the reason I think that will become more of a trend and um, more sort of more of a question is because, um, frankly, um, the 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 more technical needs, um, more data literacy needs, more um, technical talent needs built into all of your positions and you know frankly um, can you get that talent in your local market can you get it where you live um, are people willing to relocate for that and those are questions that all of us no matter where we're situated have to ask and then are we willing to flex our current working arrangements our ways of working to to do that and we're finding that the answer for us is yes we are we're willing to you know do fully remote uh, positions in some situations. We're willing to uh, have telecommuting arrangements in some situations that a couple of years ago we wouldn't have done, but we need to assemble the team with the talent that we need, um, and we're going to be creative in how we um, do this in order to get the, the right talent. We have a UX person who is completely works in Ohio. Wow. <laughs> you know, he's full-time. Um, yeah, we have a state, right? <laughs> we have a we have a designer who uh, is full time, you know, remote. 
you know, has never, never been in this office, right? So um, we're just assembling the team we need in, in new and different ways then. And then that is not without some growing pains for sure. sure. Um, but I think that, I think that that will start to be more of a, a question for people and, um, and then the challenges of culture and all those things around it. So, yeah, that's a whole, yeah. that's a whole different podcast. That's fascinating though. So yeah, it is for, for sure. Kudos for you for adapting. Um, and before we part ways here, I'd love to just have you share where people could consume the content we've been talking about and maybe highlight a, a couple pieces that you're particularly proud of, of, of note. Yeah, so uh, it's really, it's MSU Today, um, and that is our content hub. If you go to msu.edu, you'll see a big button right on the right or kind of a badge that says MSU Today. And um, I, I'd say, you know, I kind of talked about this different kind of categories of content, this sort of things that drive esteem and things that drive affinity. And we find that we really do need that blend. Um, and so um, you mentioned uh, Game Changers. Um, that's a piece that we really were very proud of. Um, not only does it kind of uh, gets to the sort of, you know, history of the institution, but does highlight this really important uh, role that we played in integration. Um, Land-grant roots is another one of those sort of historical things that gets to sort of, um, you know, our identity as a land-grant university. Um, and then there are a couple things that uh, fall in this sort of more affinity uh, basket, you know, that um, one of them is You Are a Spartan, which was just our welcome video this year, um, but got great traction, helped us um, introduce our new president to uh, our community, um, but really welcomed our new um, students to campus and really resonated with our alumni. And then Spartan Goodwill um, was an award winner for us. That was our holiday card, not this year, but last year. Um, for us, coming off a crisis, um, knowing what the right message was and how to do it was really critical. Um, and it really was a um, it was a video we created, but it was based off of uh, installations around campus that allowed people to express their goodwill wishes to one another and, and really express themselves in a time that was a time where people really needed healing. Um, that's a good one to check out. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then we have other pieces that really talk about our impact. So. Um, Spartan Road Trip, um, where we showed our impact all across Michigan, and then I Am a Spartan series, which um, really, uh, again, um, we're an institution recovering, and um, for people to look at the camera, say, I am a Spartan, and be the people who are our faculty and our students who, you know, do the research, do the outreach, um, and show what a Spartan really is, um, some real impactful and important things for our community in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, captured visually um, are, are really powerful. Well, Heather, uh, thanks for sharing and definitely check it out. I think if you're in the higher ed space, there's some real good food for thought in terms of creative ideation that Heather's team has created. And if you're not, there's also, um, you know, such a wide range to her point on MSU today of the different types of content. Um, we appreciate you taking the time, Heather, to share some of, pull the curtain back and share some of the secret sauce of, of what you've done. So thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc., We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.